podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along. It is episode number 501 of the Cricket Badger podcast. It seems a while since I did the 500th. Get myself a couple of weeks off um, and then we're back now in full swing with the Cricket Badger pod. And uh, delighted to say today, as ever, I am joined by two of my fan badges. There's Mark coming onto the screen. There is Phil, although he's half off the screen. Centre yourself, man. We're going to talk about all things West Indies against England. Two test matches down, two drawn test matches, two fairly docile tracks that we've seen so far. As we're seeing elsewhere in the world, we'll talk a bit about pitches as we go through tonight. And all to play for when they get to Grenada on Thursday. Mark, seeing as you're the only one that's still with me, as as Phil has dropped off, um, have you seen the series so far? Would you say that... uh, Nil-nil after two is about right. The pitches have militated against, um, in modern-day times anyway, attacking cricket, haven't they? So England have won two tosses, batted. Both test matches have pretty much followed the same tune. Craig Bathway batting forever. I think England have been the better side, and that has to be said. Uh, Generally speaking, they try to force the issue more. But, I mean, unless you are an elite bowler, and even elite bowlers, I think, would struggle. It's difficult to see how you would get a result in five days in either of those two test matches. Um, you know, if Wazim Akram and Waki Yunus, Shane Warne were bowling, I think they they would probably have struggled, particularly in the first test match. So, nil-nil is, is probably a fair reflection. It's a reflection of the fact that, you know, you've got two sides who are in transition, you could, you could argue, obviously, England are. They haven't got any elite... Um, bowlers as such at the moment. Uh, West Indies are obviously quite an average red day red, red ball side. I think it, you know the, the pitch has basically nullified both both sides really, and um, you can only hope that when we get to Grenada that there's going to be something slightly more equal. Else, you know, you do fear you can't have too many. I know we'll talk about pitches later on, but you know when you've got a five day test match in good weather when you've got people there. You need you need fair pitches, and it, it just defeats the object really. If you're not, if you're just going to have five hundred playing five hundred all the time, just a waste of time. You talk about two teams in transition, and I think you, you're exactly right. Obviously, England have come back from the ashes and have had to try and sort themselves out a little bit. Um, new faces. We've seen three debutants in this series so far. West Indies. Um, talking to a couple of West Indies fans. I think they're actually quite pleased, um, not necessarily with the, the tracks, but quite pleased with the application that a few of their batsmen have shown. We've seen Nkrumah Bonner score a very long century. We've seen um, Craig Brathwaite in the last Test match really dig in. I, 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 I thought that was a tremendous innings. Um, yeah, 160 in the first innings. He scored 58 not out, I think it was in the second innings, batted for almost 15 hours, I think, across the, uh, the two, two knocks. It's actually good to see, it's almost a lesson to some of the English batsmen, good to see a batsman actually show what it's like to drop anchor and sell your wicket deer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember how long he was. He must have been on the field for a, 
a good 23, 24 hours with all his batting and all England's batting as well. So, yeah, he's an improving player, Braithwaite, isn't he? I mean, he's only, I mean, he's only averaging kind of mid-30s and what have you, but he's, he's been improving over the last um, couple of years or so. And um, and he's never played, strangely enough, he's never ever played a T20 game in his life and he's never, hasn't played a 50-over game since 2018. But yeah, I mean, he plays the game simple, doesn't he? He knows his strengths, um, he knows his weaknesses, he plays every ball in its merit. Um, I thought Leach was slightly unlucky against him in the last test match. He bought a few jaffers to him that he missed, or he, you know, what you know, a couple of him that could have got of edges or bowled or whatever. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he's he, he plays to his strengths, and um, but you have to say the pitches have generally helped him. I mean, they haven't deviated much, um, apart from Sakip and Mood England haven't had any real mystery in the scene bowling, so to speak, and Jack Leach. As well as I think he has bowled, actually, he's had a long bowl. I'm pleased he has his long bowl. He hasn't got a huge amount of variation, so you know what you're going to get with him, particularly on a flat wicket. Um, so as a batsman, you think, right, I, you know, I've got my, you know, I've got, you know, I know what my strengths are. I know what this pitch is like. I know what it's going to do. I know that I'm not facing, you know, real mystery spin or real express pace or people who can, apart from Sakib, who can reverse it or whatever. I know it's not reversing anyway. So now I can play the percentages, and that's what Braithwaite does, and he does it well. And in these two test matches, it's worked very well for him. Um, so, yeah, fair play to him. And generally speaking, I mean, fair play to the West Indies because, um, you know, a lot of their top players, you know, they, they're in 2020. They they, 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 they obviously, for financial reasons, prioritise that. So they have a very distinctive white ball, red ball split in their, in their cricket. And uh, even down to the bowlers, um, I don't think the young lad Seal has played any twenty twenty or white ball for them. You know, he's, he's not. I don't know if he's played T twenty for them, but he's made his name in the Caribbean Premier League. He's he's yeah. actually quite interesting because he's a terrific. He's twenty years old, um, and he's he's made his name in the CPL. He's played a couple of overseas T twenties as well, um, and coming to Test cricket off the back of that, I think he's only played a handful of first class games before he played his first Test match. He looks, he looks a really good bowler. I think there's some good young players coming through. And it just shows you, you know, if you have a T20 competition, it doesn't necessarily need to be a test format, but you can identify a few youngsters that are, are decent and give them a chance in test cricket to see if they can sink or swim. And I think Jaden Seals is definitely one of those, Phil, who's taking his opportunities at the moment. He looks, he looks a real find. I, I think we get, we get caught up in the difference between red and white ball it's the same sport. It's the same game, bat versus ball. So there, there isn't much. No, of course you'll get specialists in both. Um, I don't think being good at one precludes you from being good at the other. And certainly the rest of the uh, evidence of, um, of, of that trend uh, being a, a of that being a fair assessment. So I think you look through their team. It's there's quite a lot of overlap all the way through it, and um, they're acquitting themselves really well. It's nice to see young players come through, even in England. I know we've been playing with that for dance and it's going out there, but it's actually quite refreshing to see a few of the youngsters. See Fisher, I'd, I'd never heard of Fisher. It was nice to see him. Uh, and the mood we've all been wanting to see for a while as well. So it's, it's good to see youngsters come through. We had, well, as just mentioned, we had three debutants across the series. Get your messages in, by the way, on the uh, one over platform you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. You can message on that feed and it'll pop up on the screen in front of me. Andrew has been in touch. Andrew, NUFC. 
Um, he says, good evening, everybody. Good evening, Andrew. Really pleased with Fisher and Mahmood played in the second test. Um, I think Parkinson should be given a chance in the third test. He says he's a Yorkshire fan. Good lad. Um, I I thought, it's funny, actually, because Phil says there, a few people said it to me, I don't know anything about Matthew Fisher. Um, and it, I tell you what, that actually rammed home to me how few people actually paid too much attention to the, the county game um, and um, only really see these guys when they come into the England side. Um, Saqib's obviously played in, in one day white ball, so people will have seen a little bit of him before. But Matthew Fisher's been around for quite some time, um, in and out of the Yorkshire side with injury. But it was really nice. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you before we go into the actual performances, Mark, I, one of the things I really like with how England cover the games now is that we see the capping ceremonies and you hear the little speech from, in this instance, Ben Stokes to Saki Mahmood and Joe Root to Matthew Fisher to welcome them into the fold, give them that, their caps. A really proud moment for both lads. But they've been doing that for a while now, videoing it. It's actually quite a nice little addition, isn't it, to, to get inside that huddle and see what they're saying. Yeah, particularly for young players like, I mean, Fisher's had a lot of injury worries. Um, um, as you say, he's been highly touted for a long time. And it just gives him a... Uh, if any senior manager of any organisation comes up and says, well done, here's your cap, here's this, is you know, one thing or another. I mean, I do it to some of my staff sometimes. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel part of a team. You know, it gives them a feeling of, you know, I want to play for these guys. And I think, I think it's nice that it happens. And, uh, you know, and it's a good it's a good way, especially when you're away from home and what have you, it's a good way of integrating them into the side and, just simple, simple gestures quite often are the best gestures to get people on side. Um, so it's nice that bomb players, uh, current players now give them the caps. I mean, we've seen it in the past with my master of saying give them out, Michael Averton's given them out, we involved from us in the past, current players here. Um, so it's nice, it gives them a confidence boost going into the test because they feel, you know, I'm part of it. I'm an England player, I deserve to be here. You know, my, my fellow senior pros are acknowledging me and you know for any any young person in any, any profession giving people confidence quite often is the most important factor in, in producing performance well, it's, make, uh, it's making people feel like they belong isn't it and feel that you know if they're in that whole valued it's making, making people feel valued and if you make people feel valued in any walk of life they will perform better it's as simple as that and we really love you on here, Mark, and you're very welcome on today. Um, Phil, when you speak, could you stay quite close to your your um, thing because uh, you were a little bit muffled before? But um, just talking about those 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 cap ceremonies, one of the kind of, kind of quite poignant things for me because I actually interviewed both Saqib and uh, Matthew Fisher four years ago, almost to the day they made their debut on a Lions trip um, in Barbados um, with uh, the England Lions and. If I could have said to them then, scroll on four years to both guys and said, you'll be making your debut for England four years down the line. I'm sure they'd have snapped my hand off for that. But the um, there's a little kind of almost unwanted club within that. Well, it is unwanted within that England side. You've got Johnny Best, obviously lost his dad when he was quite young. You've got Matthew Fisher, lost his dad not long before he made his Yorkshire debut when he was a 15-year-old. Um, you've got um, Ben Stokes, obviously lost his dad quite recently. Um, and Alex Lees as well um, lost his dad when he was a teenager. So it must be quite difficult, Phil. I would imagine that the first thing I would do, if ever if ever anybody had called me up and said, you're going to be part of this 
England team, your first call would be to your parents to say, I've just been called up by England. Um, and to not have them have those figures there to actually make that call must be quite a sad moment for them. Question bombs on me this evening, um, James. Uh, yeah, I mean, it must be bittersweet. Um, and I mean, you see a lot of reference to, um, used to see Alistair Cook uh, with the grabbing of the ear. And we, and we see we see a lot of uh, scholars glances from footballers. Yeah, it, it must be it must be a bittersweet moment for them. Um I don't think it would make it any less enjoyable. I just think it will add a level of, of, of poignance to what they're doing. And, and and there was a there was a moment when Matthew Fisher took his first test wicket uh, and he ran towards the team, kind of pointing his finger like that. And then he looked up to the sky and pointed up to the heavens just fleetingly and then back down again. Uh, yeah. And that was like, that's for you, Dad, kind of stuff. And th- you get a few of those moments these days. Ben Stokes with his strange little hand um, sing- um, signal to his dad. And uh, Johnny Bairstow, often when he gets his century, he kind of raises his back to the sky as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're just a more, or I say we're, it's not really my generation. I forget how old I am now, James. Um, it's just a more demonstrative generation. They, they feel the need to, uh, or we feel the need to make a point um, Often, I think it, it just—it's uh, it, in every sport. We watch the athletes when they're being uh, introduced to the world indoor athletics at the moment. They're, they're gesturing before races. They're gesturing on podiums. It's—it's. It, it, um, I think we acknowledge, or, or, or athletes acknowledge now that they've got um, an opportunity to make a point, and a good few of them are expressing that point in in a very poignant way. Uh, to their deceased relatives, it 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 it, it, it is. I mean, it, it is basically a very nice thing. It, I, I I think there's gestures can be overdone. I mean, I heard going going back to the point that Mark made earlier, which was entirely fair on the on on the caps. But I heard Stephen Finn refer to the caps as baggy blues, um, and I, I'm I'm not sure about that. And you and you and you can go you can go. Um, too far watching that documentary Nathan Lyon choked to tears because his mate I mean I suppose on one level it's nice but and, I, and I'm English English and, and, and conscious that I'm emotionally stunted um, but that that's all a bit it's all a bit much for me I have to say yeah they're England caps not baggy blues Cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, feeling all good now down in this set. Oh, manscaped.com. Maximum skin-safe performance, compact design, advanced engineering, ceramic blade, waterproof. And it doesn't end there. Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers, revivers, preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Get on there now. Just one last point, Phil, before I leave you um, for a second and go back to Mark. Um, your Essex man, Dan Lawrence, uh, I've been really impressed with him in this series. 
I, I was crying out for him to get an Ashes test. Um, yeah. I understand through the grapevine that maybe he wasn't uh, pulling his weight, working hard enough or whatever behind the scenes on the Ashes trip and maybe didn't get a reward because of that. I don't know. But, he, you know, he's got good history in Australia, so it seemed a crying shame that he wasn't tried when England were really struggling for runs. But he's obviously either booked his ideas up or he's now flavour of the month um, coming in at number four. And really taking his opportunities and his his stats could look even better if he hadn't actually kind of almost died for the course trying to get quick runs on a couple of occasions. He would be averaging a, a very healthy amount on this trip. You must be quite pleased to see him going well. Yeah, uh, absolutely delighted. delighted. Uh, not just with the with the bat. He was he's been entertaining with the ball as well. In in uh... who's taught him that action at Essex? Yeah, I, I thought Mark had come down and 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 taught him that one because it's. Uh... He's all over the place. You feel like he's busting out a few moves on the way to the on the way to the pitch. I tell you, that'd be good for that'd be good for the next cricket computer game when someone's got to try and mimic his run. Um, <laughs> they they won't know what to do themselves. He, he's um, yeah, as I've described him before as a fighter, and I think his attitude. I quite like his attitude. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if uh, a lack of attitude or application was the issue in Australia because things were so desperate there that it's hard to imagine. Um, it's, it's hard to believe that that would be the reason for not changing up. Well, you nearly, you nearly got a game filled, didn't you? You nearly got but, a yeah, game. So I left the phone on. I left the phone on. Once, once they were trying Mark, I knew I was in, I was in the game. <laughs> um, go to, going back to the debutants um, in the series, Alex Lees. Um, I, I, I love Lees. I knew him when he was at Yorkshire. I, I'm dying for him to do well. He looks quite well organised. He's tall, he plays straight, but he's kind of, he got done over by Kemar Roach in the first test match. And he seems to, Mark, have put a couple of shots away from when I've seen him. I think he's tried to play within himself um, with the step up to try and get a, a decent start. Um, and I saw a lot of criticism of him in the in the sec, in the the first innings anyway, to, um, that he wasn't playing quickly enough. He kind of sacrificed his wicket effectively in the second innings. Um, going for quick runs because England were trying to set up that declaration. But for me, he's still a work in progress. I'd like to see him given more time. But um, the other two, Saki Mahmood and Matty Fisher, I think um, particularly Saki, but Matthew, I don't think has done himself any harm at all, came in and bowled really good disciplined lines, never gave up. Um, and you've got a little bit of steel in both of those, I think, and in terms of their desire to try and do well on debut and, and it coming off. So I think overall, the, the debutants have been OK. Yeah, I think all three of them have, you know, I think, as you say, Lees as an opening batsman needs more time. I think the other two are obviously slightly more, I know we've got issues with the opening batsman, but because of Broad and Anderson not being there, they've been in the, you know, the bowlers have been in the spotlight slightly more, particularly on the pitches and whether we can get 20 wickets. Um, I thought both of them equipped themselves reasonably well. Um, I think Mahmood's debut has been overdue. He's had a few injury injury concerns over his career. but Well, he's he's another one that should have played in the Ashes as well, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, for the last 18 months or so, he's been, he's been fit. Um, and we talked about Seals getting to go after a few first-class games in 2020. You know, we've, ident- we've identified Mahmood through the age group, so he could have easily played him earlier. So... I think well, Seals is five years younger than Saki. Yeah, well. Saki. Well, Saqib had a lot of injuries when he was 20, 21, so he was out of the game for a bit. But yeah, they, they, they procrastinated a little bit with, with Mahmood in in Red Bull, and he should have been playing. Should have been playing in Australia, as we said last summer when the tour was um, tour was announced. And actually, 
you know, on that pitch, on you know, to get four wickets um, as he did, and particularly in the second innings, that spell in the second innings showed some of his skills quite well. I mean, I think with Mahmoud, he will take the pitch out of the equation a lot of the time. I think it was very difficult on that pitch for any bowler to take the take the pitch out of the equation, but he did it more than the other bowlers in in the England side and actually in the match, and he looked the best bowler on view. I think for Matthew Fisher, he bowls at a reasonable pace. Um, you know, he can he can bowl 140k Matthew Fisher if he needs to. Um, he's more of a traditional English style medium fast bowler, I think. Um, but I personally, I think he's a better bet than someone like Overton. I think he has more skills than Overton. I think he does more with the ball than Overton. And he's quicker than Overton. Um, I was pleased, Mark, to see how he got on, on that track because I was a little bit concerned for Matthew that that might not play to his strengths and therefore he might be hamstrung a little bit. I thought Saqib would be okay. Um, but I, I wondered on his... Because de- it was his debut debut because Saqib's been around the England side before. But um, I think Matthew really did equip himself nicely, actually. I don't think... Yeah, I think his reputation has been enhanced. In the first innings, he did really well. I mean, in the second innings, he only got two overs and it was... I think it was significant that... Uh, Root turned to Mahmoud quite early and gave him more overs than the other seamers on that wicket. Um, because, as I say, Mahmoud's more likely to take the wicket out of the equation. Um, but I think I think Fisher showed a lot of promise. Um, he has, I mean, he has shown promise throughout his career. I've seen him a couple of times, but most of the time he's been in the physios. For, it's, fun, it's funny because him and Sakiba got very, very similar first-class stats, haven't they? Very... Two very different bowlers. Well, but two kind different of... bowlers and they probably bowl in different places. Remember, Saqib bowls at mm. Old Trafford on a very abrasive, mostly very good wickets. You know, Mamu, uh, sorry, Fisher has played more at Headland, which is also a good wicket. But I think that, you know, they have got very similar stats. But I don't think we should concentrate too much on the stats in first-class cricket. I think, I, think, um, I think Matthew Fisher would probably actually be better as a home bowler, I think, in English conditions. Yeah, that's what I say. He's more of a yeah. traditional... But yeah. I think he's got the potential to learn and develop. Because he's got... I think he's, you know, he's got enough pace. Um, he's not express pace. Neither of them are express pace. I mean, Mood actually can bowl quicker than he showed in that test match there. But, you know... I think both of them showed enough to be persevered with. And I'm I'm hoping now that England actually will make a choice on the mood because they've messing in the one day side, they've messed him about is it is he an opening bowler, death bowler, this bowler. I actually think the mood, it will be better for him to concentrate on one format for a while. And I hope they keep him in the red ball format and don't ask him to play cross all formats because I think he needs he needs that. Um he will be a wide, he can be a wide ball bowler and he is. But I think at the moment, at the, this particular moment, what I've seen of him over the years is actually, regardless of his reputation, he's a better red bar bowler. So England need to utilise that to their advantage um, and don't overstretch him because he has, has injury concerns. Concentrate on the red bar, rest him when you can and just protect him because he will be an asset overseas. And we haven't got many of those bowlers who had assets overseas. Well, we haven't got, we haven't got that many assets full stop Mark, really. Well, I mean, the ones, I mean, the ones we have the ones we have got are, the, are in the in the physios room most well, of the just, time. Um, I'm mean. just make a point in James Anderson. It took him a long time yeah. to learn to bowl overseas. You know, my mood looks as though he's already learned that. You know, so you know he's he's a bit ahead of Anderson in that respect in terms of his career. So once you get a talent like that, you have to protect it and nurture it. 
And I hope England do that rather than stretching him over all these different formats because he's, you know, he needs to physically develop. He hasn't played a lot of cricket, even though he's 25. He's got a lot of interest, so you need to be careful with him. Phil, of the three debutants that we've mentioned, two's impressed you the most? Um, I quite like the look of Fisher, to be honest. I, I um, He's got I, a lovely bowling action, hasn't he? He, he does. I've, and um, he's, it was good bounce and carry even on a pitch that was even slower than me. Uh, and it was... It, I, I just... That, that's not true, Phil. <laughs> it was... it. I I, um, I think my concern about Mahmood is it took ages to get to him in the first game. So I think everyone got a bowl before. He came on like fourth change or something, as I recall, in the first innings. And, and I definitely got the impression that Root thinks was conscious of him um, reversing it. And that was definitely the plan to use him later in the innings or when the conditions suited. And he did. I mean, he and got that, it, he got that it. nearly worked as well. Him and Stokes um, for about 10 overs really did start to get it to kind of ta- taper back into the batsman, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It was only, it, it was, I, I think this test is really, I, I know people are complaining about the pitches, but it's really useful learning for, for, for youngsters who've got to come in and learn quickly. How to, the, I mean, one of the problems with I found with Leach's bowling is the lack of the lack of variation, the lack of adjustment. I think Leach bowled really well, but what he he seemed to bowl like a young spin, a young bowler to me. He didn't it doesn't feel like he's got enough um, test overs in him to have learned to develop his game. And and I, I think that the slog that they've put in, the, certainly the two bowlers in in this match will really stand in good stead for the future. At least, I, I, I think opening batting is actually the hardest job in Test cricket. I mean, it's, there aren't many thriving opening the innings anywhere on, on uh, at the minute across uh, on the planet. So um, it's difficult to come in. The ball was swinging. The West Indies bowl, I thought the West Indies generally looked threatening, certainly in the first 20 overs. Of, of the series so far, they were, they were getting the ball to move. It was the hardest time to bat. And, you know, Lees has got to come in. He's got the weight of um, expectation that we have on all of our openers. Um, he's watched others come before him and fail. He knows how desperate the country is for him to succeed. Um, and, you know, he's, of course, he's going to have technical flaws exposed. This is test cricket. That's the point of it. He's got to come in and learn. Um, that, that's why you need to give... Um people that time don't you because it's a step up they're going to get examined there's 20 more cameras in the ground than usual um mm-hmm. dissecting everything you're doing and you've got to give people the chance to actually adapt to that haven't you yeah you have i mean look we, we look at crawley who's been written off countless times he's come back in he's he scored two well-timed um scores at the end of the ashes and the beginning of this series um that have helped him out i mean as it's curious. You mentioned Lawrence earlier. I feel much happier with Lawrence's performances than I than I do for Crawley's. And I, I don't know if that's my Essex tinted glasses. I, I, I totally agree, Phil, because I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you why. Crawley's got all the shots in the book. There's no doubt he's a talented lad. But I think, yeah, there's a danger. And it it, it sounds I when I said this on Twitter, and I've I've also kind of queried Jack Leach a little bit on Twitter and people kind of round on you as if you're kind of, you know, slagging off some national treasure because Crawley's just got a hundred, but he's mm. got two big scores in test cricket, both on fairly docile tracks. 
And we, I think in the first innings of that first test match, when he got his century, they bowled far too much onto his legs. And he's very, very good at just whipping it away through mid-wicket and scoring quick runs. Um, he doesn't, you know, he, he, hit, he hits fours. If there's a bad ball, he hits a four. And in the, in the second test, they were hanging outside his off stump and waiting for him and, and testing his patience, and he fails those tests. Yeah. I'll be a lot happier with Zach Crawley, Phil, when he um, shows me that he can knuckle down and ride through these bad, you know, the, the tough periods and get a hundred off the back of that, rather than on a, when it's when it's a little bit easier. Yeah, I I I, I agree, but I, I mean, I it, we've got to try and. I think confidence, we've spoken about confidence already and how important it is and not, not getting on the back of people. And the you know, you say he bowled on his legs, but and he and he put them away. That you can only you can only beat what's there effectively. So I I I, I feel like I'm being a bit harsh on Crawley and but it, it it's um I, I think I'm, I think I'm like you. I, I desperately want to see him succeed because I think he's got a lot of attributes that are very positive. And if he can if he can come off more times than he doesn't, he's going to be a major plus for England. But I, ju- I just need to see that proof that he can really weather a storm or two as a batsman and, and kind of play within himself for forty minutes. And I've not really seen like that yet. Do, do we? Yeah, but do we like that? I mean, Sibley did exactly that in every innings. To the point where even I and I love a bit of filthy attritional cricket, you know I do. But even I was sort of watching Sibley and thinking, oh, "Come on!" But that, what, what I mean with Crawley though, he can't always be. If there's six gears in his car, he can't always be in fifth and sixth gear, can he? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah there yeah, needs definitely. to be forty minutes every now and again when he goes back into first and second gear and just plays plays for forty minutes time. And I don't think he necessarily does that just yet. Jack Leach. I've been pleasantly surprised by him. I think he's in the first test match. I thought his accuracy was quite good. The only thing with Jack Leach at the moment in this, this series is that nobody's got after him. Nobody's really tried to get after him like Richard Pant or the Aussies did. So he's been bowling in the knowledge that he's going to be fairly economical unless he bowls a really terrible ball. And I thought in the, in the second innings in, in Barbados, he got his lengths a little bit wrong at times. Now I know he's bowled ninety six overs or whatever it was, and he must be exhausted, bless him. But the, um, I think if you if you're trying to bowl out a team on day five, you've got especially on that track, you've got to be right on the money and be consistently building pressure. Um, I would like when when I put something along those lines on Twitter, I got rounded on. How dare you criticise Jack Leach? Um, but I actually would like to see them play both spinners in Grenada and actually bring Matt Parkinson into the side to bowl alongside Jack Leach. Probably probably takes a little bit of pressure off Leach in terms of the volume of overs he has to bowl. And it probably takes a little bit of pressure off Matt Parkinson because he'll be the second spinner and maybe not quite so much expected of him by coming in in, in that way. And I think um, we've seen Matt Parkinson being trawled twice around the world over the last two winters. Some I, Either England have got to say we don't trust you and we don't believe in you and therefore go back to Lancashire and do a little bit of work or play him. Well, it's the eternal debate between Matt Parkinson and leg spinners and how England treat leg spinners, isn't it? But, um, I mean, Parkinson is, is analogous to Mahmood, really. He should have played red ball cricket before now. I think Jack Leach has bowled okay on this, on this tour. I think you're right that the West Indies haven't got hold of him and, you know, he's bowled economically and that's the way... To a certain degree, he's had runs behind him, so it's helped him. Um, and I think he's been treated quite poorly in the past. But well, I think he's been treated very poorly in the past by England, if I'm being honest with you. But if I'm being, 
I'm not just putting my Lancashire hat on here, but if I'm being my cricket hat on here, I think Matt Parkinson will be a better test match bowler than him. And I I think that for a variety of reasons, really. I think, firstly, if you get a very good wrist spinner in test match cricket, you you know, historically, you've got a much better chance of winning the game. Um, you know, if you can and get... You can move it both ways, can't you? You've got that element of mystery to a degree. Yeah, I mean, but also people say about leg spinners, you know, they give to give away too many runs. They, you know, they're expensive. If you look at Matt Parkinson's figures in red ball cricket, and really Lanky should have been guilty as well of not playing him up to the last two seasons. And it's been tearing my hair out, you know, two seasons, you know, he only played five bloody first class games. But if you actually look at his figures, and I've watched him bowl a lot in on flat wickets, turning wickets, all different types of things. You know, his, his run average is 2.66 per over. You know, that, that's what he goes for, generally speaking, over his career, which is it's a good good ratio in county cricket for a spinner mm. on wickets that aren't particularly spin-friendly. And the only time I've seen him get collared in county cricket was um, in the game at Taunton in September in the second innings when, when we made him follow on. And Lamaby went after him and collared him, but he eventually, you know, eventually got him out. But that's the only time I've seen him get collared in the last 18 months. So not only are you getting a, not only are you getting a player who's got variations um, and he doesn't bowl, and we have this thing about pace and all the rest of it. And, you know, one of the criticisms of Leach in the last test match from Curtly Ambrose and um, whoever was on commentary at the time, um, Mark Butcher, I think, as well, was he was bowling too quickly. Yeah. The criticism of Matt Parkinson is bowling too slowly. You know, Matt Parkinson bowls pretty much the same, the same speed as Shane Warren bowled in his career. It never did him, did any, did him any harm. Okay, he gets it above the batsman's eye line, so he makes them think about it, and he has variations off the pitch. Mm. Now, if you if you had him in the way, I'm not saying the, I'm not saying for one minute that England would have won either of those two Test matches if Matt Parkinson was playing. But I think he would have posed different questions for the West Indies batters. And I think if you want to win away from home, and I think if you want to win on these good wickets that you that you get in the West Indies, or you've seen in Pakistan at the moment, or if you go into India or whatever, you've got to have somebody who can do different things. Because a lot of modern day batsmen can play, you know, left arm spin and whatever because they play twenty. But you need somebody who can do something different. And he's somebody who can do. He's not Shane Warne. You know, he's not Shane Warne. He doesn't have Abdul Qadir at the moment. He might be in a few years, but he's not being given the opportunity, has it, um, to do that. He's got the tricks. Um, he's got the ability, but he's also, he can control a game. And I think the issue is that England don't think he can control a game, which is why they keep going back to Leach. If they pick two spinners in Grenada, yes, I, well, you would, with the, 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 with the pitches we've seen so far and the weather they'd had, you'd say, yeah, play two spinners. But then I was reading a report uh, from Ali Martin in The Guardian the other day, or I was hearing from Ali Martin on Twitter, that saying the last match at Grenada was over in three days and the seamers got all the wickets. So, you know, so England will be going there with that in their mind. The last first-class game we played there, the seamers got the wickets and it was the over. Three, the three test matches they've had there, and there's only been three there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know I know there's a few West Indian Twitter feeds that have been a bit critical of the three venues chosen because they've been very much geared up for Barmy Army and tourism rather than the local um, supporters getting there. 
But three test matches in Grenada, the last one was 2015, where England won by nine wickets, I think. And the Seamers took a lot of the wickets in that one as well. But they did get to day five. And Moen Ali did take three wickets in the in the fight, in the the second innings and, and bowled quite I a think, few overs in the second time I think time what around. we're hearing from the wicket there, I, I mean, I think we're all playing the fact that they want the income and they want this and they want that. But because the wickets in the West Indies have been traditionally quite slow for a number of years yeah. now. Um, but what we're hearing from the wicket there at the moment is that it's going to be flat. That's what we. That's what's been coming out that the wicket's going to be flat. And if you think about it, prepare. You can't prepare a wicket in a week. So that wicket's been being prepared for weeks and weeks. They're not going to suddenly put a load of grass on it or flood it, are they? So it's going to be a good wicket. So yes, I would play two spinners there. The only caveat I think with playing two spinners there is that actually you're putting a lot of psychological pressure on Stokes in terms of. Are you fit? Can you bowl 15, 20 overs? Because he bowled a lot of overs in those two test matches. Yeah. It only takes him to break down, and then suddenly you've got two seamers and two spinners. So that is a bit of a problem. And I yeah. think as well, Mark, I mean, I, I picked my 11 on Twitter the other day, and I brought Ollie Robinson back in um, for Matthew Fisher, say, basically saying it's tough on fish, but he's going to get other test matches down the line back in England. But potentially if you are... Um, playing two spinners, you might actually want to keep Fisher in and not bring Robinson back because if Robinson broke down on the first morning or something horrible happened to Ben Stokes, you're a, you're a man down, aren't you? Well, the other controversial thing you can do, and I know you won't like this, James, is you you could actually give Bairstow the gloves and play six batsmen and play Volks as a uh, Volks as a number seven. He's perfectly capable as a number seven batsman. T- let's let's talk about. Chris no, Wokes. I wouldn't do that myself, but you could do that. Let, let's talk very quickly about Chris Wokes because there's this there is a complete. Um, red herring with Chris Wokes that he he, he plays overseas because he's a good batsman and he, he bats at number eight. Look at his record, not just bowling and batting. Uh, sorry, not just bowling overseas. He, he averages what's fifty six or something with a ball overseas, twenty two at home. But in batting, he averages something like thirty something at home and twenty one overseas with only one fifty. So the the perception that he's suddenly going to really rock up at number eight and, and score loads of runs overseas is not and it's not a small sample size anymore with Chris Wokes he's played a lot of test matches so that doesn't always that doesn't always no, no, that's, that's absolutely true and um I think I think the issue is you are you are relying a lot on Stokes staying fit I mean I would play two spinners I would play two spinners it's unfortunate think- that the that the reserve bowlers in England have a bowl spinners yeah, you know, it'd be nice to have a, a reserve, you know. Well, that was going to be my next question to Phil was that do you think that the fact that Dan Lawrence and Joe Root can bowl adequate to moderate spin, I mean, you wouldn't class either as Shane Warne, but you wouldn't class them as bad. That kind of almost gives England a bit of a, a get-out-of-jail card, doesn't it? Because if they need spinners, they've got Joe and they got Dan to bowl six or seven overs in an innings and keep things going. But they're not front line, are they? You know, Matt Parkinson comes in. He's a, he's a That's his speciality. That's his job. Yeah, I said England won't. There's no way they're going to play two spinners. What, what they would, it's just inconceivable because they they clearly rate certainly Roots bowling very high. It took forever to get Lawrence on. I I, I was astonished because in the warm up game, apparently he was turning it around corners and um, it definitely seemed worth a go much earlier. Well, I thought Root had bowled pretty poorly in this series so far. I, I, I thought he was. Pretty poor with the ball. So well, I, 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 mean, I thought in the second innings, Phil, the they definitely he, well he definitely bowled Dan Lawrence over himself, didn't he? In the end, mm. Lawrence bowled more overs, and I think that was Root's admission that maybe it wasn't coming out very well. Yeah, I, the, I, just that Lawrence really seems to to turn it. Um, there, there are issues with line and length, definitely. But one thing he definitely does is 
is get some deviation. Um, and then you you just feel you're you're more in the game. I think with Lawrence Bowman, the yeah. the reality is that that they won't. I mean, they've been pretty reckless with their bowlers already, insofar as bowling would it seems with a clear injury anyway. Stokes has been almost heroic in the number of overs he's had to bowl, and you you look at his body creaking, you can feel every ache and pain because why is, why is it Phil? Why is it that bowlers can only seem to bowl a certain number of overs these days? I was reading. I mean. Reference Fred Truman, who bowls forever and bowls a, th- a million overs in the summer. Um, I was reading about Kapil Dev the other day. Somebody tweeted about Kapil Dev as one of his heroic performances, where he bowled um, through two sessions unchanged um, mm. and and took a nine for us, I think, in in that Test match. You know that there there are bowlers of recent times who never seem to go down with too many injuries and bowled far more overs than these guys do. Why are we suddenly um, fragile. But it, I think they were bowling on better bowling pitches, weren't they? Uncovered pitches. So I don't I don't think you needed... I think if you're Fred Truman, yes, obviously, I mean, I, I never saw him bowl live, so I... I, I but... I, I he, did, but it was for Courage Old England team when he had a big belly and was getting yeah. on a bit, yeah. I, I presume it still came out fairly quickly, to be honest. Oh, his action was still there, but only off about <laughs> three paces. Yeah, I, I, I just think that now pitches are so good. It's such a batsman's game that it now requires maximum effort. No, it's like running a car at maximum revs. Um, you can do it for so long, but if you run it at 100% over two, three, four, five hours, the engine will eventually blow. And I, I just think that, um, personally, my view is that now it's such a batsman's game that there's there's no respite for bowlers. There's nowhere to hide. They have to be functioning at hundred percent. I I'm not sure I agree with you. I really am not. I I think I mean I was looking at the amount of draws in Test cricket the other day. West Indies had ten on the bounce in the 1970s on dull, lifeless tracks where they'd have had to try their hardest to get wickets. Um, England's seven, I think, and India nine um, consecutive draws were back in sort of fifties and seventies as well. And I I think in those periods where um, you know, runs were scored slower, and it was it was a far more of a nutritional game. Yeah, you, you, you know, I mean, Kapil Dev, Dev would not have run in and in second gear for those two sessions. He would have given it everything. I, I, do you, what do you think, Mark? Well, I think I think you're right, and I think I think the pitches actually were better in the seventies and eighties to a certain degree, and um, batsmen had better technique. They bat longer. They, they they wanted to bat longer rather than batting shorter as batsmen do today. Um, if you look at the Great West Indian sides of the 70s and 80s, quite a lot of those games against England went into day five. Um, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't finish after day three or two and a half days. Some of them did uh, occasionally, particularly that one at Headley when in, when um, when England won over two days when that kind of weird game in the early 2000s. But so much, so much. Why are they made of fiberglass these days? Um, I don't know to be honest with you. I think. Because they have better strength and conditioning, they have better I, diets. Everything is geared think, to keeping them fit. Can, I think we can. I think it's a little bit. I think you've been a bit, a bit, bit hyperbole there, James. Because if you look historically at bowlers, Dennis Lilly was out for eighteen months with a back injury. Um, bowlers have gone down periodically with injuries. Wacky <laughs> Eunice went down with injuries. Um, so so, so have they just been unlucky with the guys they're around at the minute? I think. I think. I, no, I think I don't think they bowl enough. I think I've, 
you know, I'm a little bit old-fashioned in that respect. I don't think they spend enough time on the field um, bowling. Uh, I think they spent too much time, strength and condition, and this, that, and the other. Look at James Anderson. He's had a few injuries, but not a huge amount of injuries. And mostly he's bowled in, in red ball cricket. I don't think it helps that you're asking players to bowl over different formats and do different things and perform in different ways. Um, but I don't think Mark Wood's been over bowled. I think he's just injury prone. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange phenomenon um, these days. But I think I think to get bowling fit, you need to bowl more. You need your body needs to have that repetition, that repetition of running in, that repetition of the strain on the body, that you know that constant repetition of doing something. Because if you are taken out of a game for three or four weeks and told to go in the gym or do some stretches or you're in the red zone, and then you come back into a game and you put in as a fast bowler, remember, it's a very unnatural thing to do. Yeah. Oh, so it's, you're it's, constantly putting it's, to- that- it's totally weird. It's totally yeah, weird. If you're doing that occasionally, you're more likely to get injured. If you, One if of the things that underlines that, Mark, when they came back when they came back after the COVID break. Everybody was talking about it's going to be the bowlers that get injured. They haven't been bowling for ages. It's going to be the bowlers that get injured. And, you know, we need to look after these bowlers. We need to treat them with kid gloves and ease them back into the county game. And you, and, and you wouldn't be saying that if um, bowling, if, they, if they've been bowling regularly. So it's a cultural thing. If you ask James Anderson, if you ask Jimmy Anderson, you know, does he like being, being pulled out of games? He will tell you no. He wants to play. He's pulled out of games because the England manager pull out of games. I've seen him livid when he's been pulled out, pulled out of games. He he's always to... livid, Mark. But he wants to play cricket, and, you, you know, that's what he wants to do. Stuart Broad doesn't like it. You know, they like to bowl, but they're managed centrally. It's like this kind of, you're in Cottonwood, you do this, you do that. And to, to a certain degree, if you look historically, I know England are not doing particularly well at the moment in red ball cricket, but you know when central contacts came in and... You know, when four-day cricket was at its peak, um, England got to number one in the world. You know, we had a good four-day game. People were being managed properly, and we thought that was the way forward. You know, suddenly that was the way forward. We found a formula. It's all gone into reverse for whatever reason in the last five or six years, seven years or so. But at that time, we thought we found a good formula. We managed the bowlers. We gave them central contracts. We played in good wickets, played test matches. But that's all broken down now. So we're all in a bit of a... When do we play a bowl or when do we not? And and it's all become a little bit confusing in, in that respect. Um, you know, so I think the answer is that bowlers need to bowl more. You know, I don't like the idea that they bowl in a county game, have two weeks off. I don't think that's very good for, for a bowler. They need to bowl and bowl and not get injured, obviously, but they need the body needs to get used to that repetition of doing but- it. Ali Robinson's a good example of that, isn't he? Because when he was playing for Sussex on a regular basis, he was bowling long spells, taking loads of wickets, gets into the England setup, gets time off, and all of a sudden, everybody's saying that he's not fit anymore. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't understand what the issue with Robinson is. I don't, because he was bowling long spells for Essex, and they're saying the intensity is higher at England. But I don't believe that. He's bowling exactly the same for England as he's bowling for Essex. He's not bowling any different. 
you get these little buzzwords and 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 fads in in sport. I mean, at the moment, I mean, you you use this phrase on Twitter the, on WhatsApp the other day, but everybody's talking about the ceiling for some players at the moment because that's that's kind of like a common phrase. And you also get when a person on Sky or something says he's this or he's that, that suddenly becomes fact whether they're right or wrong. And at the moment, everybody's criticising Ollie Robinson. I saw him the other day. If he's fat, then I'm a Dutchman because he, um, I, I don't know whether he needs to work a bit harder or whatever. I don't know. Anyone can have a back spasm. You get back spasm. When I play cricket, I've got back spasm occasionally. You've got back spasm, that's it. But this nonsense that he's all of a sudden he's almost unselectable because yeah, he's not my, ridiculous. My, my information on Ollie Robinson is he got a bad tour report from Australia for whatever reason, okay? You know, I my information was that if Silverwood was in charge with um, the other guy that's gone Giles. They want to pick Robinson for this tour. Whatever reason that is, I don't know, and I don't know if that's true. But that's the information that I was told. Um, so whether there's an attitude problem with him there, whether he's not working hard enough, whether when he's getting injured he's not doing what he needs to do to get fit, I don't know. Um, I have no idea if it's true or not true. All I know that he was bowling loads of overs for Sussex. I mean, I saw him um on the you know on the on the when we were in covid on the on the on the on the county streams bowl like 17 overs on the bounce against lancashire yeah we didn't didn't have any problems then so i don't know what's going on with him i don't know if he'd been managed right you know england don't have a great record of managing difficult individuals not difficult individuals individuals have got individuality they don't have a great record of managing that so i don't know if he's got anything to do with that you know he's his own person um, well, let, let, let's move on from Ollie Robinson. I've got two more questions. I'm just conscious of time. Um, the first question is Joe Root's captaincy. I actually thought, I know, Mark, you've got stern thoughts on this and you think he should be flogged and, and sent to Siberia. But the I thought in the second test match, I don't think I'd have done anything differently, even with hindsight to what he did in that test match in terms of tactics. Even the declaration. Well, you can't afford, yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't, I thought they needed those runs and I thought they needed to bat till lunchtime because it's the second game of a three match series against a West Indies side that have got a few hitters in that lineup. And if they'd gone 1 0 down, he would have been absolutely slaughtered for it. But they've already said this is, I mean, they've effectively said this is an aside to gain experience that they're going to be, they've left their two best bowlers home to see what goes on. Uh, with with the with the replacements, and um, a, a team that wasn't prepared to chase down two eighty and much longer, they they wanted to set something akin to that. I, I think they were going to chase it down in the first test match. They just because they what the West Indies tactics in those chases is they bat the first ten overs out to get rid of the new ball, and they bat normally in the bat fairly slow. And then we saw in that fir- in the first test match they started well um, they, the cam. The open of Brathwaite's partner, I can't remember his name, got out trying to hit over the top. Brathwaite got out trying to hit an attacking shot. All of a sudden, they'd lost two wickets, and then they played back. They went back within the shell again because the chase was off. Because in that first test, we saw anybody that tried to put their foot down got out. Um, yeah, and then they realised, yeah, the and they decided that they didn't want to lose that first test match. And I thought they were doing exactly the same thing in the second test match. They started off within themselves, and then realised. I think they made the judgment that they, they're not. They weren't going to get there. But if if Root had declared, say, two hundred and twenty ahead and left them six seventy overs, and they knocked them off, 
England 1-0 down going to Grenada, the papers would be full about how rubbish his captaincy was and how bad this England side are. You know, you, you can't have it both ways. No, I think I think you're right in terms of Root's captaincy. I mean, I don't think he could have declared any earlier. What I don't like, what I don't like on this tour is all the spin, all the kind of innuendo and spin. Collingwood today saying, well, he... You know, we've had a really, you know, we've come so far from Australia and I'd really, you know, I don't know if I want the role, but I'd really be interested in what roles are coming out. And, you know, and all this spin about the bowlers, you know, the bowlers have been, you know, playing the West, you know, they haven't won the series yet. They're playing the West Indies. Nothing, I don't think, you know, I think there's still huge question marks over Root's captaincy. He's only there because there's no alternative. I have nothing against Rod Joel Root as an individual. I'm sure he's a really nice lad. He seems a nice lad. He's a great batsman. He's not a captain, in my view. There's nothing. You, no, 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 you, you would flog him yeah. through the streets of Sheffield. You would. Yeah. Um, he's but, been better. I thought. I thought he looked after Leach much better in the. They've made a conscious decision with Leach, and the roots obviously decided. Hang on a minute. Why did, gonna... let, why, why did he have? Is it like is, this is a left down spinner? Why did he have a leg slip to Leach? And why, you know what's what's going on? I don't. I don't think Root knows how to captain spinners. I've never seen a leg. I've never seen a left down spin. Never well, that that would beg the question, Mark. What are all these coaches doing on the balcony then? Because they've got knowledge as well. Why is nobody sitting down with him and saying, when Jack when Jack's bowling, this is what well, we should be looking at doing? You know, my view on coaches, it's pretty similar to to the late Shane Wall's view on coaches. Yeah, I, I I think there. I think a few of them in that England setup are, uh, are, are getting a very nice free holiday need, in Barbados. You need coaches, but you don't need hundreds of them. They've got more coaches than Yellowways. You know, so that's that's just it. And if that's that's for older viewers, yeah, they were in the seventies. If they got more coaches than National Express for the younger viewers, you know, there's two. You know, you, you need coaches, but you need very. Diff- you don't need hundreds of them. And I don't know what England do with all these support staff anymore. And maybe I'm getting old, but you know, when you get to an international cricketer, you need a coach for advice. Coaches should be able to tell you things, but that needs to be. Not loads of them, you know. It's just got out of control. Okay, we've got, six, we've got six minutes left. What about these pitches around the world, and what about these pitches in Barbados, Phil? Um, maybe it's a, just a, a freak occurrence that we've had three or four weeks where it's been, yeah. You know, every every pitch we've seen has been docile, flat, and a bit placid, and and led to draws. But they're not great for cricket, are they? I mean, I can understand why. Barbados and Antigua want beer sales, food sales, and they want because I understand what from what I understand, the West Indies Cricket Board wanted spicier tracks. The local cricket grounds are trying to get not so spicy tracks because they want four or five days cricket, and they're getting five days cricket. But it's not great. The spectacle where a pitch doesn't offer too much for the batsman, but doesn't offer too much for the bowler either, doesn't really offer too much for the spectator sometimes too. No, it's yeah, it's been attritional viewing. Um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's not good for cricket. We could, you've got to learn, you know, test cricket is hard work. Taking 20 wickets is hard work. And some days you've got to, you've got to just force the issue. So I, I think there's a lot of learning in pitches like this. I, I think there's value in it. I think there's value in playing on pitches like this in, when, when you're young. I, I think, by the, to be honest, I think Broad and Anson might be looking at this and thinking, not necessarily a bad series to miss because there's there's some graft required for these pitches. Um, I don't think um, that 
Broadbanton being there would have seen us rolled anybody. Um, maybe. Uh, but I, I, I think that um, certainly the batsmen um, benefit from having to think about it. They've seen the example of Brathwaite, who I think has managed these pitches brilliantly. Uh, and, 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 and whether it's good for cricket, I think we have to think about well, it depends what your definition of cricket, uh, what, I, cricket what, is, I, right? what I mean with that, Phil, is I, I, having every single test match at the moment played on very similar tracks isn't good for cricket. I agree with you. A little bit of variety. I've got nothing against each nation playing to its strengths. But you want you don't want every single pitch to be exactly the same and to lead to this kind of cricket, do we? No, no there, there definitely has to be some variety. But um, I'm, I wouldn't be overly concerned about that now. It, it, you can, you, yeah, you can see why the pitches are the way they are. Certainly in in the West Indies, I've not watched too much of what's gone on uh, elsewhere. But you know, you could still, it's still been some pretty good finishes. It's still been the last sessions or the set, perhaps the penultimate sessions in the West Indies. The Aussies and Pakistan had a great last session um, yeah. on on a track that was awful. That was fantastic game. Um, good cricket. Particularly the, some of that batting from um, Pant and uh, Bavarazam, was it? Yeah, both. it was. It was. Yeah, it brought. Uh, to be honest, it it brought um, the best and the worst out of Pakistan. It, it set their first innings into context. Well, I, I, I must admit, when I turned up to commentate on day five in Leeds, not Barbados, unfortunately, um, it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't particularly thinking, oh, we, this, is, this might be hard work today, but I actually really enjoyed that fifth day. Mm. Um, what, what about you, uh, Mark, in terms of the pitches at the moment? Um, I'm a mixed bag in terms of the pitches. I think if we talk about different pitches across the world, I think India would become ridiculous. I'm not sure India are interested in playing test cricket beyond two days now because the pitches turn so much that most games are over in three days. They, only, they played one game against England on a good pitch, which England won. 16 months ago. There's there's two distinct bad pitches for me in in world cricket. There's the ones that you have 18 wickets on day one and it's turning square. And there's the ones where you have, like the first test batch between Pakistan and Australia when there was something like 1,400 runs. There were about 1,400 runs and about 14 wickets fell in that test batch. These days, I mean, for test cricket to survive, we need good pitches which offer something to both bat and ball. We're not living in the 1970s anymore where people had less distractions and you could watch BBC One and I'd watch five days uninterrupted like what's the Barbados game. I'm a cricket freak in that respect. But, you know, we have to contextualise where the game is at the moment. And if we want crowds there, if we want people to retain interest, if we don't want test cricket just to become some weird satellite TV fodder on Eurosport in 20 years or whatever, we can have pitches like we've had in the West Indies um, I think India have to get their pitches better. If, you know, test cricket there is going to be a spectacle where there's an even game. I think England, uh, England have to get their pitches better. Absolutely. This this isn't a country wide this, this, this is an I, international thing, isn't it? It's, it's an international, international thing. And I would suggest that this should be, you know, rather than, you know, there needs to be some international standards and, you know, not international groundsmen because that's that's too difficult to coordinate. But there needs to be more coordination between the boards to get wickets where there's an equilibrium. Because you come over to England, you play with a juke ball, 
I don't know why we play with juice ball. We play with juice ball because we win. But that's, you know, then we, we play on seeming wickets. They become more seamer friendly over the last five years. We go to India, we play raging turners. Then we go to the West Indies where it's slightly different. We play on flat, flat tracks. I think actually the Pakistan series has been quite interesting in, in some respects. The first, the first test was a complete road. The second test, India, Australia's um, seam bowlers bowled about in the first innings and then made a few mistakes in the second innings. And this test match, what I've been watching today, um, some good reverse swing and some even bounce. It could be a te- it could be a result of this test match. So mm-hmm. I'm slightly less critical of Pakistan because first series over there. Um, but there needs to be something where we can take away. There's too much of a home advantage. It needs to be in equilibrium if you're going to get people interested in the game. And that's if we don't want people drifting off just watching 2020 or the 100 or whatever to retain the interest in the first class grade. There has to be good pitches uh, where there's an equilibrium. One of the things I I, I think as well, if, you, if you're going to have, the ICC needs to have more teeth. There's, there's no doubt about that. But if you're going to have standards of pitches, you've got to kind of, you've got to try and work out what those standards are going to be because what might be a good pitch for you well, might be a bad pitch for Phil, might be a, might be a mediocre pitch for me. And I think point. I think the the thing within, with India as well, I, they, they would turn around and say, well, well, who are you to tell us what, what sort of, Test match cricket. We're going to play. We're our own country, and this is how we want to play Test cricket. So there, there is a danger that making a kind of carte blanche international rule is not possible. No, I don't want to make a carte blanche international rule. I don't want a homogenisation of pitches because cricket is a game of environments. Cricket, more than any other sport, is based on environment. That's why Chris Wokes has a record of fifty-five away from home and twenty-two at home. It's based on environment, yeah? Now, we understand that, and we understand that that, e- that kind of ecosystem needs to be kept there, yeah? That ecosystem of environments needs to be kept there because it needs to be a challenge when you go away from home. But you don't want that ecosystem dramatically overturned where it's turned in favour of the, per- the individuals who own that ecosystem so much that the other people coming into it have no, no opportunity, and that's what it's becoming slightly over the last, you know, 15, 20 years or so. And that's the problem. Remember when England went to India, England won in India, um, you know, they, they won in India recently, but in the 80s and stuff when they won in India, you know, the picture was completely different. You need you need, you need need more equilibrium in what you're doing. Now, I don't want homogenisation. And it needs, to, it needs to be a challenge to go away as well, doesn't it? We're over the hour mark and I don't want it to go on any further because uh, people will people have other things to do as well, don't they? Uh, and they have a, a, a third well, test match. Talk about pitches in, te- in test match cricket for the next two hours. Uh, we, we, we could talk about pitches in test match cricket for probably the next two weeks, couldn't we? Um, but uh, one final question, gents, and I just want one word from each of you. Um, Grenada. Well, actually, two words in case of West Indies. Grenada, West Indies, draw or England's Phil? Uh, I will. I, I I think England are due one. I, oh. I think that we've been reasonably close so far. That's not one word, Phil. Honestly, no. you two. You two tonight. Can't shut you up. Um, <laughs> you're going to go England, Mark. I'm going to go England. You're going to go... Tell you what, that's three votes for England. I did the piece earlier and I've gone for England as well. So... Uh, um, well, that probably means that West Indies are absolutely nailed on then, doesn't it, to take another oh, series. And just, just a, a final point before we finish. Um, England have only ever won, won one series in West Indies in 54 years. 
if England win this time with a probably depleted transitional squad, albeit against the West Indies that maybe aren't quite as imposing as they used to be, I think it's still a fantastic achievement if they do get a, a test victory in Grenada and take the series. So uh, there are good things happening in the world right now. You really Mark, you're rooting at captain for the next 10 years, don't you? So well, there's nobody, else for the ne- there's nobody else for the next 10 years. They've, they've re- constantly refused to call me up for, for England captain. Well, I've, I've, I've offered myself and so many times and I've given up. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're, well, I think we'll offer you to the opposition that we're going to play. As um, <laughs> we'll get you get you nationalised by Australia. Um, we uh, are at an end. Five hundred and one episode is finished. Uh, as we're looking ahead to that Test match in Grenada, I'll get you back on after that Test match has been played to review the series as well, chaps. Enjoy the rest of your bottle of wine. You've been slugging all the way through this uh, pod, Mark. Yeah. And I will see you both soon. And uh, thank you very much indeed out there for listening. Cricket Badger Podcast over and out for today. Sports Social Podcast Network.